Welcome to Mill Resource Radio, where we highlight military and veteran support organizations. Hear directly from organization leaders and those who've benefited from their services. Thousands of organizations exist, but if you don't know about them, how do you seek their help? Join us for discovery, access, and knowledge about effective military and veteran organizations sharing their missions and accomplishments directly with you. And now here are your hosts, Linda Crater and Les Davis. We are so pleased to have you join us today. We have a very interesting show, and I have two people to introduce to you today. My regular guest hosts were unable to make the program today, so we invited a special guest host, a military spouse, a caregiver, former Dole Fellow, someone who now works for the Chamber of Commerce, and we are delighted to welcome to our program Blair Hughes. Blair, are you here? Yes, thank you so much for having me, Linda. I'm really excited about the show. I am as well, because when we spoke, we were talking about the importance of the topic we're going to cover today, which is, now dryly I can say, financial literacy. But with the guests we have on today, you're going to find that it it comes alive, and there are real answers to the questions. And let's face it, money brings a lot of stress into people's lives, and we're going to talk specifically today about financial literacy, some of the susceptibilities that service members have to additional stress with regard to finance. And to answer all your questions today, um, because Blair and I have many, we have with us James McCullough, who is more commonly known as Chainsaw. He's an Air Force veteran, flew F-4s and F-15Es, and is a financial advisor and principal with First Command in Colorado Springs. So when I used to call the office, I would ask for James, and they would say, well, you mean Chainsaw? So now we have Chainsaw McCullough with us today to explain money matters. And we and are delighted to welcome you. You're very welcome. I am very, very pleased because this is an area of stress for many families, most families I might venture to say. And we can really demystify things. And when uh, Chainsaw and I spoke, I asked him several key questions that I'd been hearing a lot among caregivers and male spouses and vets and we really can demystify some of this, and there is a process that can be followed so that there's stability in the financial world. So I'm going to turn this over to you, Chainsaw, and you explain a little bit behind your name and then talk a bit about generally financial literacy and explain that term a bit. Sure. So Chainsaw McCullough. I know you ladies probably don't shop at Sears very much, but if you did and you looked in the Chainsaw section... There used to be a McCullough chainsaw there. Oh. And so when I, when I went in the Air Force in 1984, uh, again, I quickly became Chainsaw McCullough. And oh, I love it. Since 1984. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, they do. They, they definitely do. In fact, when, I, when we discovered one another, um, I said, you, you must have a call sign. And, and we both started laughing because he, he obviously did. He has several others. We'll leave those out of the show. But it, I just love. Oh, my the, goodness. <laughs> I love the colorful nature of uh, avia- aviators. They do have their own special stories. So, Chainsaw, can you go behind the, the term financial literacy? We hear about it all the time. We hear about tools. Um, 
I, I think money frightens people in some ways or others put their head in the sand and don't really want to know things. But perhaps you can talk about service members, financial literacy, deployments, uh, you know, shifting the books between partners. Talk about how there are some special stressors for military families. Sure. So because of all the things going on to service members, you know, the frequent relocations, deployments, drastic pay changes, every time they move, their spouse might be losing her income. Um, now the threats of the reduction in the forces, mm-hmm. so drawdowns. It's amazing some of the statistics that I, I gathered in preparing for the show today, but I'll just throw a couple of them out there to you. Mm-hmm. As I was looking at the statistics, over 20% of junior enlisted personnel, that's an E1 to an E6, have declared bankruptcy in the last two years. Wow. That's astounding 20%. to me. 20%. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I, I would never have. That's amazing. And is that is. while they're in the service or, or veterans as well? Uh, that's typically active duty. We're just the statistics that that, I. That's amazing. So imagine how, if you know, you get into financial trouble, how that affects things. What are some of the negative impacts on that? It can affect people getting their security clearances. Mm. Um, Oh. They can, you know, obviously it's going to affect your career advancement, and perhaps, you know, the mental effects of it could affect your job productivity. Declaring bankruptcy or another statistic was 37% of service members have a balance of $10,000 or more on their credit cards. Hmm. And nationwide, isn't that 5,000 in the general population? I mean, this is a a universal problem in America. Uh, So that's higher than the norm. It is. So we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, strategies and other things and some of the tools available to educate yourself and to get smart on, you know, all the tools that are available. And I'll give you a couple websites to go to for different areas of of different things in your financial life. But the main thing is, is finances is the number one reason for divorce or marital problems. And so we want to get our financial house straight. And the best way to do, do that is to educate yourself. You know, I'm just <clears> curious. <throat> it, do you find that people um, are aware of the tools that are there? It, it sounds as though they're not, if this is such a, a prevalent problem. Or if they are aware, they're not using it. Why is there such reluctance to learning more about how to better manage money and to budget? Is it because we're not as educated about those practical matters you know, from high school onward anymore, or is it uh, just a fear? You know, I think, Linda, and probably same for you, Blair, but years ago, our parents saved so much, mm-hmm. and people just don't save anymore. So it's it's the instant gratification of, I want a new iPhone, and they go buy it when they can't afford it. Absolutely. So planning well, for those do you think that that happens in, in the lower enlisted families? I think that we tend to um, live paycheck to paycheck. And then when some sort of reenlistment bonus comes along or um, money when you're deployed, it's kind of like that. Got to use it now. It's burning a hole in your pocket. It's not going to be here tomorrow feeling. Um, 
especially with those deployments and back and forth. And how can we kind of get out of that mentality? You know, I think it's really the, the key thing is just coming up with a budget. And so looking at all the different sources of money that's coming into the house. So tracking your income and then tracking your expenses. And, you, you know, to start with a budget, the first thing you have to do is determine how often am I going to look at this? Am I going to look at it weekly or am I going to look at it monthly? You know, typically financial advisors, we like to look at it monthly. It makes it a little easier. But if the family breaks it down to weekly, it might be easier for them. So what, whatever you decide, list all the money you have coming in and then total up what's your income. Then make categories for each of your expenses. So you should have a category for everything you normally spend money on and then total your expenses. Subtract your total expenses from your total income and if the result's a positive number, then think about starting a savings account or putting your money to work for you. If the result's negative, then you need to adjust your expenses. So start by reviewing your discretionary expenses, things that you want versus things that you need. So perhaps entertainment or eating out, some of those things, a lot of times we can cut back and we call those discretionary expenses. And then review your essential expenses. So expenses that you incur to meet your needs, your rent, your mortgage, your groceries, your utilities, and then see if those things can be reduced. Is there, uh, you know, I remember when I was younger, I used to turn down the air conditioner or the heater or turn up the air conditioner or turn down the heater before I left the house every day. You know, essential oh, little sure. things like that. You know, I'm fascinated because um, I think that oftentimes people know that they're supposed to do exactly what you just said. But unless yes, we in- do, but we don't always. <laughs> okay. But that's it's exactly hard. my point is, is, is that I think that it has to be illustrated to you. And I know in my family, my uncle was a major in the Army. And he had two young children who were questioning why they couldn't spend money on X, Y, or Z. This is many years ago. And they, they did this wonderful exercise, which I think might be of value and might resonate with some families, is they went and took the paycheck and had it put into cash. In their case, they had it put in $1 bills so that this looked like a huge amount of money. And they put it on the dining room table a kitchen table, I can't recall, and they began to go over, okay, here are our bills each month, our expenses. So the kids counted up the dollar bills and started moving things from the big pile on the table into smaller piles for the bills. By the end of the exercise, there was very little left, and Mm -hmm. it made a great impact. We actually have um, psychological trauma in my family. We worked with envelopes. So there were envelopes for each of the week that had, and I say that jokingly, but Mm -hmm. only kind of, um, there were envelopes and you spent food money one through four, um, discretionary one through four, and, and you worked with that. And that was the way the budget was done in our family. But I don't hear a lot of people doing that anymore. Does that help anyone, you think? Oh, I'm certain that it does. Yeah, it's a popular debt reduction method that I've seen a lot of military families adopting um, to use that envelope method and be able to to say when the money's gone, it's gone. I think 
maybe when money is in an account online, it's, it's so intangible to us. So it, it is nice to have that visual. Well, I'm mm-hmm. grateful that my father didn't make it up alone. So there are other people are walking around who see the envelopes that are a uh, surprise as I was. I am delighted that we are on track talking about all of this today. We're going to go on a short break. And when we come back, we have many more things to talk about, especially credit card debt, etc. And we look forward to having more discussion with Chainsaw McCullough and Blair Hughes. And we will be right back after these messages. We're Mill Resource Radio, and we'll be back after these short messages. Are you a family caregiver in the military community? Join us on VeteranCaregiver.com. In the military and veteran community, there are 5.5 million caregivers of our nation's injured, ill, and wounded. Whether your family member served in World War II or in the most recent Iraq and Afghanistan conflicts, There are unique needs of military and veteran caregivers. Navigating any medical system takes skill and help in obtaining good care. Veteran Caregiver has access to a rich network of advocates and organizations to assist you. Find excellent resources, short informative videos, an active Facebook community, and empathetic support. Veteran Caregiver supports those from every service branch and those who served in any conflict. Need information on sandwich caregiving? EFMP, or aging issues, VeteranCaregiver.com provides information and community to those managing busy lives with compassionate care. That's VeteranCaregiver.com, support for those who care. McCullough and Blair Hughes talking about financial matters. Um, let's go right to where our service members and families and veterans and families can find tools about budgeting and other things. I believe you said you have some wonderful resources. So let's start with one of them. Yes, ma'am. We have the First Command Educational Foundation. It's a 501c3. And the webpage is www dot f-c-e-f dot com and if you go to that web page across the top there's a button first of all i mentioned there's scholarships available there so go to the scholarship yeah tab i'm on if, the page now this is nice and clean okay so scholarships at the top and then but what we're going to talk about today is education and if you just hover your pointer over that mm-hmm. there's a drop down that says financial tools and calculators all right And those financial tools and calculators, there is a spending plan tool about in the middle of the page. Right. I see it. I'll just, I'll I'll highlight a couple other things on there. The first one is time value software calculators, so Mm -hmm. money calculators. And then there's one that I love for people that are in debt. It's the command debt terminator debt reduction calculator. Kind of fits (laughs) right in with a chainsaw. I was just going to say, these are great names. Okay, this is a wonderful theme we have. Okay, excellent tool. And And all these are downloadable, correct? Yes, ma'am. These are all free. Fantastic. Okay. The spending plan tool, there's a link there. And when you click on that, it takes a little while to download. But it's an Excel spreadsheet that you can work on your budget. And so it comes in a read-only mode. But you can just save it to your calculator. 
or save it to your computer mm-hmm. or, and do your calculations. So then it has everything in there where I talked about tracking the income, tracking the expenses, seeing the difference. And if there's excess assets or excess dollars at the end of the week or the month, save them to the end of the month if you're doing it weekly. And at the end of the month, try to put those into a savings account and build that savings account over time. So that's one tool that I think everybody out there could use mm-hmm. is a, a budgeting tool rather than trying to develop your own spreadsheets. Well, not only Let that, but what to, you're, excuse me for interrupting. You're trying oh, to teach people to be intentional about your money. So it, it is advisable, it sounds, to take a look at finances each month. I think many families do live paycheck to paycheck, but when you do focus in and you work as a team to make it work somehow by, by adjusting levels, either income or, um, you know, what's coming in or what's going out, that really does sound like a monthly review would make a team effort out of it. I agree, Linda. And I, I want to go back to your example of, you know, putting your paycheck in cash. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a great idea for some people because, but if you have it all in $1 bills, it's easy to spend those dollars. Right. So sometimes if you put them in $20 bills or, you know, if there's a, yes. a larger amount, then I, I had a couple of lieutenant colonels that were spending a little bit too much money. And so I asked them to just, you know, give each other an allowance in $100 bills and see how many they could save at the end of the month. Excellent. It was a wonderful technique, and they saved hundreds of dollars each month. Well, I, I agree with you. And that was fcef.com. So first command, tell mm-hmm. me the E-F, because I opened to a different page. Yes, what ma'am. That First command, for? educational foundation. There you go. First command, educational foundation, fcef.com. Yes, I agree with you on the larger bills um, because I don't like to break a 20. That means the rest of it will be gone. And if you're talking mm-hmm. a bigger bill, that's so rare to hold in your hand these days that you really don't want to let it go. So that's an excellent, simple tip. Huh. Sure. I want to um, talk a little bit. Since we started with financial literacy and we kind of moved to the budget, let's kind of close the loop on the literacy. Also on that same web page, there's an education section on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the education section, there's a specific area for military members. Um, and then there's a specific area for high school students or younger people. Excellent. So if you just go to the education resources, mm-hmm. um, there's about halfway down the page, there's a Money Matters Online. Right. So you have to create a username and password to mm-hmm. be able to do that course. And there's one for students and instructors. So if military leaders would like to be an instructor on these and do presentations for their own troops, then they could become an instructor and do that. There's a thing in the Air Force called Airman Leadership Course, ALC. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of them are are actually teaching these within those courses now. That's fantastic. Um, It goes over accounts, loans, stocks and investments, if you're an entrepreneur, checkbook, retirement, bankruptcy, rights and responsibilities, credit, buying, insurance, and giving. Wow, that's really helpful because I know people have questions and they they need answers, but if they can also find it themselves, that's very empowering. Great stuff. Excellent. 
I want to focus a little bit on the military again. A little further down that education resources page, mm-hmm. there's a military money matters. Right. And likewise, you can take courses to learn about bankruptcy, to learn about the survivor benefit plan, hmm. to learn about your military pay and retirement. Uh, all of those things are on there to just educate yourself. And sometimes for the spouses of a military member, they have no idea what's mm-hmm. coming in or what's going out for the military members. So really wonderful tool for them too. That's excellent. I'm going to make sure I post this on veteran caregiver because this is very important because that's a very difficult, everybody's juggling things. Wouldn't you agree, Blair? Oh, absolutely. And when, when you're a caregiver, you are sometimes thrust into this world and you don't know any of those terms. And so it's a great place and a resource to find out what those things mean. Um, when maybe your, your veteran may not be able to handle the finances anymore and you are now in charge. Mm-hmm. Same as with deployment. Now, I would say one of the next problems that I hear about the most is credit. Whether it's bad credit, uh, can't get credit, don't know how to get credit, think a debit card gives you credit, ratings when it doesn't. Perhaps you could talk about that because I know in deployments, um, both people can tend to be lonely on either side of that uh, arrangement and Money, money is retail therapy sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for in regards to credit, you know, the credit really is it's a, a trust between you and a financial institution. Mm-hmm. They're going to allow you to use their money for a period of time and they're going to charge you interest. So whether it's a loan or whether it's a credit card, you're going to pay for using that. Of course, there's some cases where you can borrow their money for a short period of time, and as long as you pay it off every month, you don't pay any interest with regards to credit cards. Mm-hmm. Obviously, on the loans, you pay now, high Chainsaw. interest. Yes, ma'am. Chainsaw, why why would a credit card company do that? Tell us a little bit about that. Why would they give you a free interest? Uh, is it because maybe later they're going to jack that interest rate up? Um, there is certain, you know, other companies that do that, but uh, typically, as long as you're you're using it appropriately, then they won't raise your interest rates. And that kind of leads us into Blair is, you know, our credit ratings. But before I shift over and talk a little bit about our credit scores and credit reports, the biggest thing on getting credit is the APR, annual percentage rate. So when you look at credit cards or you're shopping for them, you want to look at the APR. Lenders are required by law to disclose what that is, the annual percentage rate. And a lot of times there's an extra upfront fee or other annual interest things that may not be be included, but in the APR, it all has to be by law included. Mm -hmm. So make sure you're looking at that before you do that. I'll shift into credit reports a little bit. So credit reports determine the interest rates that you're going to get on your credit card. So it's really important to know what is on your credit report. So I'll give you a little of the basics of the, the credit report. It has four sections. It's your personal information, public records, credit history, and inquiries. And the inquiries are typically from those lenders. 
where you really see it is when you're buying a home or buying a car. Mm -hmm. But the same thing occurs when you're applying for a credit card. So the credit history is the key part there. And that credit history is going to say whether you have a 30-day late payment or a 60-day late payment or even more than that. So I have a specific technique, but before I get into that, let me tell you where to find your credit report. Perfect. You go to another webpage, www.annualcreditreport.com, okay. all spelled out. So annualcreditreport.com. Mm -hmm. And when you go to that webpage, you have an option to run your credit report with three different reporting agencies. What I recommend is don't do all three at the same time. Just do one. So the three companies are TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian. I recommend you use just the TransUnion. And then when you run that report, you'll put in your Social Security number. You'll verify who you are by naming a street that you lived on in the last two years or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then when you're done, print that report from TransUnion. Again, don't run the report on Equifax or Experian. And then look and see what's on there. If you have a JCPenney card you opened in high school and you don't use it, close the account. If you have a 30-day late, a 60-day late, or a 90-day late, at the end of that TransUnion report, it gives you a phone number and an address to call to try and get that off of your credit report. I recommend you call somebody, write down who you spoke to on that page that you printed out and the date that you spoke to them. And if they say, oh, yes, I see that, we'll remove it off your credit report, great. Then wait 30 days. After 30 days, it should be off of your annual credit report and then go back in there and the second time now just run the Equifax report. Of course, if it's still on there, you still have the paperwork from the TransUnion report. Call that same number, try to get to the same person, explain to them what happened and it was never completed. Try to clean it up a second time and then wait 30 days and then go run your Experian um, credit report. I love it. I, I love it. It's a process to follow that makes perfect sense. We need to take a quick break. We're Mill Resource Radio, and we'll be back after these short messages. Join the millions of women each month who listen to Wise Health for Women Radio. Women are pressed daily to give more, learn more, and be more, often at the expense of mind, body, or spirit. Join us for revitalizing conversations on fresh ways to view your limited time, encouraging new, healthier perspectives. You provide a special spark to those around you, and you manage many roles, entrepreneur, mom, wife, coach, friend, daughter, and more. Here's a great way to inspire and nurture you. On Wise Health for Women Radio, host Linda Crater and her amazing guests share how to move toward your wishes and dreams and find what is possible in your busy life. If not today, then when? Take steps to flourish over 40. Join us on Wise Health for Women Radio, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, on iTunes, and more at wisehealthforwomenradio.com. Helping women thrive.
we had two questions. Both Blair and I had a question for Chainsaw. So I'll ask mine first, and then, Blair, you can follow right up. I had always heard that if you had credit cards that you never used anymore, that if you closed that account, that it would negatively affect your report. Is that urban legend or truth? Uh, It's true to a point, and Uh uh, usually that magic number, Linda, is five. So if you have five or less credit cards, you're fine. If you have six or more, then you should close those accounts. The other thing that's important is what's the availability of credit to you? So if you have one card that has a $30,000 limit or 30 cards that have a $1,000 limit, you're going to have a much better credit report with one card at 30 than 30 at one. Mm -hmm. So five's five's the limit, and it really depends on your income as to your credit um, amount of credit that you want available on those cards. And so typically I say 40% of your income or less. So 40% or less of your income. And the reason for that is you never want to be have a debt-to-income ratio of more than 40%, mm-hmm. which is really high. Right. So let me see if I understand that. If you have five or less, you should close them. If you have six or more, you should not? Opposite. Or did I get that wrong? You got that backwards. So you should always have five or less. Yes. So Credit if you have or no, no, I, I guess what I'm thinking of is if you, if you're looking at your credit report and you have five cards you'd like to close, you're saying don't close it. No, no, I'm sorry. The total number of open credit cards. Mm-hmm. So the total number of credit cards you have should be five or less. Got it. Okay. Perfect. That's a that great. Does not, it does not include debit cards. Right. And, and debit cards do not accumulate toward your credit score, but they do affect your credit rating. Is that correct? Well, debit cards essentially come straight out of your bank account. Right. So if you charge more than what is in your bank account, you'll be overdrawn and that will affect your credit score. Right. Goodness. So. Okay, Blair, you're on. Right. So I had actually gone to the annual credit report site and pulled a credit report and we found some accounts that were open on that report that were not ours. And they were old accounts um, that had been open at a previous duty station. And, you know, our social security numbers are really out there a lot. Um, What can I do about that kind of situation? You're exactly right, Blair. And the way you'll catch it is by running that annualcreditreport.com. There's also some other agencies out there that, you know, if you want to pay somebody to monitor that website for you, like you probably have heard of LifeLock or something like that. If you're willing to pay for somebody else to do that work, then they'll monitor Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion, and they'll send you a text message or call you when somebody adds a credit card to your social security number. In answer to your question, how do I clean it up? Essentially, you just call them and you tell them to close it. So okay. it should not negatively. And it can be that Excuse me. It can be, it can be that simple uh, to just call and and keep track of who you spoke to and ask them to to clear it off the record because it wasn't your account. That's exactly right. Wait thirty days, go back, run another report, and make sure it's off your record. You know, a lot of people ask okay. me, "What's the highest credit score?" 
and the highest credit score is 850. So, you know, if you're an overachiever and you're trying to get to 850, and no, I've never been there. (laughs) There's the number. I'm not sure they let you get to the perfect number anyway, um, or that that could be. So in terms of credit cards, um, there is a value to using credit cards um, from a budgeting standpoint in some cases because you track everything on that card. If you are monitoring that each month as part of your budgeting process, then it doesn't make credit cards that evil-sounding. No, ma'am. And if you're paying it off every month, mm-hmm. that's a wonderful way to raise your credit score. And so you can't just have a card and not use it. It doesn't help your credit score. You actually have to use it mm-hmm. and pay it off and show that the last time it was charged and it was paid off within the 30-day window. So you do so want to get a credit you. card. Even the younger enlisted people, if they don't have a credit card, they need to get at least one and charge your gas on there and pay your gas off every month. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So building a score is very important. And I, I do know couples where one has an abysmal credit rating and the other does not, and they go to buy a house, and that's a problem. So you would still follow the same process that you gave before about cleaning it up, but that may take some time. Yes, ma'am, it may. And then, likewise, it's a calendar year, not an mm-hmm. annual. So... I usually tell my clients do it in the last quarter, and then if they need to do it, run a fourth report, they could certainly do that in January. Excellent. So, good stuff. Perfect. So I, I think that that's really good on using credit also um, to know when somebody's going to run a credit report. So if you're going to go buy a house, you want to make sure this is done well before you go buy a house. Or if you're going to go buy a car, you know, your down payments are going to be much higher if your credit score is lower, if you're going to get a new credit card, your interest rates are going to be higher if your credit score is lower. So check your check your credit record at least once a year. Make sure there's no errors. Makes perfect sense. Let's talk about um, some of the things that can be used for saving within the military that are unusual instead of what is out, what is known in the Pri- uh, private sector as 401ks, etc. Because I think that people need to know the tools. They need to know the benefit of setting aside tax-free income. We, when you're deployed, you have some benefits on the taxation side. Uh, perhaps we could talk a bit about that. Sure. So we'll kind of split them into two uh, different discussions, mm-hmm. savings and investing. Perfect. So both of them are very important to your financial plan. Saving or investing for your financial goals keeps you from spending it on frivolous wants. Mm -hmm. So the key thing is you got to think about what are your goals, you know, and if they're short term goals and I define short term typically in two to five years, Mm -hmm. then you want to save for that. So putting it in a savings account or a money market savings account usually is going to earn you a little bit of interest more than you're making in your checking account. And it's also easy to withdraw your money when you need it. Uh, The difference between savings and money market savings is money market savings, you can only make six withdrawals a month. And on the seventh withdrawal, it turns into a checking account with most institutions. So savings for short term. (laughs) 
Did you, I Blair? Did make that I did. And I, you know, I, no one had explained it to me and we opened it up to, to save and it just, no one had told me. So it turned into a checking account and I didn't even know why, but it, now I know, I know better now. <laughs> Wonderful. So if you can build that savings account before you deploy, then the, as you deploy, there's another savings account. It's called the SDP, Savings Deposit Plan. And the savings deposit plan is great for military members. You get ten, a guaranteed 10% APR, annual percentage return, on what? your dollars. 10%? Yes. 10%. So God. the wonderful thing is, uh, well, the downside is it has to come out of your paycheck. Mm-hmm. So you can't just write a check and put the money in there. So if you have the money in a money market savings or a savings account before you deploy, you can live out of that while you're deployed and putting your paycheck into the SDP. And the one thing that everybody wants to do is fill this up to the maximum amount, which is $10,000. And then when they come back, typically they take the whole withdrawal out and they buy a car or something like that. So I usually say, the SDP is also good for 90 days after you return from your deployment. Hmm. So leave it in there for that extra quarter of a year, and you'll get another 2.5%. That's just 10% divided by four ladies. Mm-hmm. So SDP is a great savings tool. Interesting. Goals. So, Blair, mm-hmm. did you know about that one? You know, I know about TSP, but I'd never heard of SDP before. So that's yeah, a new one for me. And that's only if you're deployed, correct? Yes, ma'am. Guaranteed 10%. Okay. Savings deposit wow. plan, so SDP. And then let's shift from savings to investing. Why do I invest? So investing is setting aside money for long-term goals. Mm -hmm. So investments normally go up and down in value over time, but in the long run, typically investments can earn a lot more money than you can in a savings account. And so investments, you know, always have some type of risk. And so that risk is a little bit more than a savings account too. So if you're willing to take a little risk to make a little bit more money, then that's a good thing. Um, sometimes putting money in a savings account, the interest rate might be less than what inflation is. And so you're actually losing money putting it in a savings account. So I usually say a goal for investing is usually to at least beat the savings account rates and inflation rates so you're making money with your money. So putting your money to work for you. Talk for a minute about risk with investments. Again, on the FCEF.com, First Command Education Foundation um, page, under the Education tab at the top, and then the Financial Tools and Calculators, all the way down to the bottom, there's one that says Investment Risk Comfort Level. Mm -hmm. And that investment risk asks you a series of 10 questions. And you basically answer agree, strongly agree, disagree, strongly disagree. Total up your numbers, and it tells you what your risk tolerance is. Talk more about that in a little bit. Um, Any questions, ladies, on risk or investing? 
Only if there's disagreement between partners in a household. <laughs> that's that's often a, a habit, and, and that's something totally outside the realm of this radio program. But I think what you've explained is excellent. I, I did not know about the savings deposit plan either. So I, I find this fascinating and just exactly what we were looking for to be able to share with our listeners. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. We are going to go on a short break right now. When we come back, we're going to talk about more tools that are available to service members whether you need a financial advisor, and we're going to learn more about Chainsaw and First Command. We're Mill Resource Radio, and we'll be back after these short messages. a dynamic woman? Sandra Beck and Linda Crater host Dynamic Women Talk Radio, bringing lively weekly shows in a roundtable format with influential guests from around the globe. This amazing tribe of diverse and accomplished women share their candid views on topics such as reputation, handling rejection, loyalty, what is sexy, overthinking, blended families, and much more. Discussions are joyful, with freedom to address topics from various perspectives with candor, respect, and no judgment. These are the conversations you wish you could have with all your family and friends. Dynamic women have lived their lives boldly, with unexpected and sometimes undesired turns in the road of life. Yet detours and bumps bring opportunity, personal growth, more authenticity, and a fresh outlook. Join our welcoming tribe of Dynamic Women each Tuesday at 12 p.m. Eastern Time, also on iTunes, and more information at dynamicwomentalkradio.com. Celebrating vibrant, charismatic women everywhere. We're here with Chainsaw McCullough of First Command, and we're talking about investing and I know that we started talking about short-term and long-term goals and our risk profile what we were willing to to risk to gain in terms of greater savings uh, returns interest rates so let's talk a little more about other parts of investing sure uh, you know this is always the part people want to talk about because they want to know how to make money with their money mm-hmm. which is uh, great Let me just kind of circle back to your question, Linda, on risk tolerance separate for wife and husband. Mm -hmm. Um, I think both people should run the risk questionnaire there on the Education Foundation webpage. Mm -hmm. And if there is a difference, if there's a Roth IRA for the wife or a Roth IRA for the husband, then they should be appropriately at their own risk tolerance. I always use this example. If I'm investing at a um, aggressive level. I usually take my index finger and thumb and spread them as far apart as I can. <laughs> and that's the standard deviation of an aggressive investor. So it can go up a lot, but it can go down a lot. Mm-hmm. Standard deviation. So if I go to a moderate aggressive, I pinch those fingers a little closer, the standard deviation decreases. And then all the way down to a conservative the standard deviation is much lower. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to make as much money, but you're not going to lose as much money. Mm-hmm. So, and it has to be at your own comfort level. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't do what somebody else tells you to do at their comfort level. So it's really a personal decision. Absolutely. So 
investing for military members. You mentioned 401ks for civilians. Mm-hmm. Um, recently, pretty recently, they've come up with Roth 401ks and regular 401ks. Likewise, for the military member, there is a Roth thrift savings plan and a regular thrift savings plan, TSP. And so the TSP is it's a federally sponsored retirement plan for government employees. It's very similar to a 401k. Mm-hmm. It's not just for active duty. It's for reserve members. It's for federal employees, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, Public Health Service, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. Everybody has these opportunities. Hmm. Um, so, again, there's different profiles you can put in there based on your risk tolerance. You need to know what you're doing before you just go in there and start setting money aside. Mm-hmm. So there's some limits also. So limits change, and the limits change this year. So the maximum you can put in the thrift savings plan is $18,000 for members that are less than 50 years old. If you're 50 or older, then you can put an additional $6,000 for a total of $24,000 in there. Hmm. And that's typical in 401ks. The numbers are the same. Likewise, we talked briefly about regular IRAs and Roth IRAs. Mm-hmm. 49 and below, you can put 5500 a year in. A lot of people procrastinate, don't invest early in life. I don't recommend that. And then waiting till age 50, so they have what's called the catch-up contributions. And you can put an additional $1,000 in an IRA for members 50 years old or older. So $6,500. Talk for a minute about <clears throat> thrift savings plan. So the thrift savings plan, do I put it in the regular thrift savings plan, which I call traditional, or the Roth thrift savings plan. And what's the difference between the two? Mm -hmm. The regular, every dollar you put in there comes straight off the top of your income and you don't pay taxes on that money right now. But when you take all those dollars out, you're going to pay taxes on them then. The Roth side, you pay taxes on it now and it grows. You never pay taxes on it and it comes out tax-free. So Nice. Usually for the younger generation, our millennials, I say the Roth IRA is almost always the better option. When would it not be the better option? Say, for example, you're in a 25% tax bracket and you would like to get down into the 15% tax bracket and you're real close. The upper edge of the 15% tax bracket this year is $74,900. So if I'm making 75,000 or more, but I'm real close, I could put dollars into the traditional TSP and it would reduce my tax bracket from the 25 to the 15% tax bracket. Hmm. If I put it into the Roth IRA, I'm staying where I'm at. I'm paying taxes on those dollars. So I would be paying 25% tax on that portion above seventy four thousand five or nine hundred. Is that, that confusing, sense. ladies? 
No, but all I can think of is that without someone like you to explain the savings deposit plans, the thrift saving plans, the Roth thrift savings plans, you're really at a disadvantage. So it, it appears as though having someone, a financial advisor, is a very wise thing to do. It truly is. And, you know, there's different types of financial advisors. There's ones that charge fees and ones that don't. There's ones that um, only manage money and don't do other portions of a financial plan. So you really have to search around and find one that is right for you. And if you don't have a place to start, I always say start with first command. Most of us us are retired military, and we basically were clients of first command at first, and then we became advisors. And likewise, our company is expanding. We are hiring financial advisors. You need to have a bachelor's degree um, to become a financial advisor with first command. And most people, hopefully, are using their GI bills and getting that or using tuition assistance and getting that. I didn't really touch on GI Bill, but let me tell you, they have the option in the 9-11 GI Bill that they can give it to their children. Mm -hmm. And I recommend you do that if you have the 9-11 GI Bill. There's an active duty service commitment for doing it, so do it early. Don't procrastinate. And while you're on active duty, use tuition assistance to go get your degree. Does that bring up any questions or things that maybe resonate with you, Blair? That's actually, I I would agree. I would say do it early. Um, If you are in a situation like a a wounded warrior, um, sometimes you no longer have the option of transferring it. So definitely do it you're thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Very good. So how do I find a First Command financial advisor? It's just firstcommand.com. And there's a button on there that says find an advisor. And you click on find an advisor, put in your zip code, and request to be contacted by one, and somebody will contact you. Sometimes we're in the yellow pages. A lot of people don't use the yellow pages, but I bet if you ask Siri, she probably knows where First Command <laughs> Siri does have everything at her command. And if she doesn't, she tells you something completely opposite. I I think what is so fascinating about this is that um, I hope that our listeners are hearing that financial planning is something that should be done very early on. That the longer you wait, the harder it really is to save, gain the interest, um, fix your credit. And, and so by paying attention to these matters early on in a relationship or, you know, when you're starting to earn money makes a big difference in the outcome in your later years. In fact, it can make a life changing difference in your later years. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. Yes, ma'am. Truly can. And especially if, you know, if you could max your Roth contributions or as much as on that budget sheet it says you can, that will make a huge difference in your retirement to have those tax-free dollars in retirement. And, and I think that's the hardest thing for people to say, well, we're living paycheck to paycheck. But I dare say when you have that money automatically taken out, I know I've done this, if it's automatically taken out, you miss it much less than if you are having to 
physically put it out there. Um, if you want to live on a budget and cut things back, by pushing it into savings, you're cutting back you know, what you're spending, but you're also more mindful of the fact that you are saving. So it's a good thing. Sometimes people mm-hmm. just need the out of sight, out of mind, and other times it's, no, I'm saving for my future as well. So whatever your mindset is, what you're saying, I believe, Chainsaw, is that there are strategies to get you what you need at the comfort level you need. There certainly is. And sitting down with a financial advisor to define your goals, where do you want to be? Determine what those goals are, then determine what dollars are available. They can do what I call a budget scrub and see what discretionary dollars we could cut back on so that we could put something towards our retirement and then identify where they should go. You know, what is your risk tolerance and put them where they should be. So essentially, you know, I challenge everybody to sit down with a financial advisor, uh, find a first command guy. We don't charge any fees for the financial plans that we're doing to active duty members. So it's a wonderful, wonderful company to do business with. For the leaders in the military, there's over 50 presentations, uh, PowerPoint presentations that they can give to their troops. And they're right there. It talks about money behaviors. You know, you can even talk about developing a financial plan for those people that are do-it-yourselfers. They want to do it themselves. Paying for college, buying a car, buying a home, all those things are out there. Plenty of tools, plenty of ways to educate yourself. Uh, Linda and Blair, I, I love this program, and I got to say I was supposed to say at the beginning, um, First Command Financial Planning does not necessarily endorse or agree with all of my statements or positions or opinions. These are all my opinions. I understood. I was hoping you would say it in that really, really fast uh, car salesman thing, you know, with the, the <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we were able to understand that. Thank you so much for shedding light on some things that we need to be dealing with, talking about, um, opening lines of communication, providing us with tools and websites. Again, that website for the educational resources is FCEF. Foxtrot, Charlie, Echo, Foxtrot.com. And please take a look and go for anything that helps you and resonates with you. We are so grateful that you've joined us today, Chainsaw. And, and I really just love what I'm going to title this show. <laughs> thank you, Linda. And thank you, Blair. You're very, very welcome. Thank- Blair, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for listening today. We welcome you back next week. Have a good week. Thank you for listening to Mill Resource Radio. For more information, go to millresourceradio.com.